Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Okay, so uh, good morning. Hey, sorry about that. Sorry for the technical difficulties. My name is Luke Gain, and uh, I'm really excited to be able to preach with you um, this morning and do church with you and do life with you. Um, I am the husband of McKenna, who is the daughter of John and Chris. So prior to being here at Pacific Point, uh, I've done many years of youth ministry. Previously at the W Church, I've done a couple of churches up in the Malibu area, uh, and I've been kind of seeking out how to do ministry and, and, and seeking out the Lord's calling. Uh, that calling came when I was in college. Uh, some of you may know that uh, I, I was, in fact, a Bruin. I went to UCLA. You can go ahead and take a second. You USC fan, boo. Yep, go ahead and send it. It's all good. Uh, I had a walk-on opportunity there to play for their football team. And uh, I was there all four years. And the first two years, I was under a regime, under a coach that uh, wasn't all that great. Uh, My first two years, we didn't win a ton. Uh, We were a little confused. One of his inspiring speeches was uh, prompted by Dumb and Dumber's quote, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, That was a a pregame speech. It was a little tough. And uh, growing up in Orange County, I grew up in Huntington Beach. Everybody and their mom was a USC fan. So my first two years, I was kind of wrestling with the fact that I'm on the enemy's team, on the, I'm on the enemy's side. Um, but those first two years, I would, I would be playing against USC, I'd be playing against these other teams and just be in awe. I remember being in the Coliseum, like looking around going, I've always dreamt of playing in this stadium. Um, but I looked down and I was wearing a blue jersey. So uh, I was, and uh, that first time we played them, we lost 50 to nothing. So it wasn't very pleasant. Yeah, it was bad. But my second two years there, two years there, uh, we had a new coach, a new regime, uh, a new way of life, and a new culture. Um, one that was very, very intense. One that was not preaching or teaching us how to live by a dumb and dumber quote, but how to be a different player, how to give uncommon effort, how to not just run to the line, but run through the line. And my first two years, I was not incredibly proud to wear the gear, but my second two years, after we started winning and after we bought into the new way of doing life as a UCLA Bruin, I started to identify and represent my school here. And it was fun to see in Orange County, the Targets, the sports stores, shifting their USC gear behind the UCLA stuff. So I was definitely proud to represent UCLA well. Now, nowadays, I, look, I, I, don't come up to me afterwards and be like, USC is better. I will acknowledge that USC is better in football. But in everything else, UCLA is significantly better, okay? Uh, we have the most championships. It, it, we can just go on and on. But I, I couldn't really care less about the rivalry. What I care more about is we all represent something, okay? Eternally, though, we represent one of two things. Eternally, we either represent ourselves or we represent Christ, And I want to talk to you today about what that looks like. So uh, Romans 6 even says, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, 
or of obedience which leads to life, which leads to righteousness. So we will show up to the gates and say, hi, I'm here to represent myself. Thank you very much. Or hi, I'm here and I'm represented by Christ. When we represent ourselves, it is the knowledge, the standards, the philosophies that we have been given over. Um, I was talking to somebody this morning that many of his friends were discussing the theology given to them by Louis C.K., the comedian. Not C.S. Lewis, but Louis C.K. Okay? And so the misdirection that they have been given is, is misguided, which would lead to a misguided life. If we are representing ourselves, the knowledge, standards, and philosophies we have been given, it is our own understanding of the way of life. And we see how it penetrates culture, and we see how truth is truth, and love is love, and whatever you define it as is whatever you define it as. And that knowledge and that wisdom has really only been given to us in the last couple decades, maybe a couple centuries. But if we, rep- if we were represented by Christ, it is his omnipotent omniscient and omnipresent truth, his power, his might, his love, his word, an understanding of who he is that has been, will always be, and is currently living today as truth when we present that we are represented by Christ. Now, one of the primary functions of church, I want to remind you, one of the primary functions of church is to remind us of this truth, okay? We come to church to be reminded of this truth, so then that way we can go and carry this out throughout the week, okay? And so I want to direct you to that truth today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's towards the back of your book. It's after all the names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's before what I call Gepsi, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 17 through 21 today. And I I like, uh, in youth ministry, we would always say hashtag physical, not digital. There's just something different about having a a physical Bible with you that you can underline and write notes in and and look back later on. Um, There's nothing wrong with the phone. That's totally fine. That device totally works. You have access to it at all times. It's great. Um, There's just something different and tangible about seeing God's word here on the page having it physical over digital. Um, Got some smirks from the boys. Um, We're in chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me go ahead and uh, pray for our time today. God, we thank you so much again for uh, just your church and the fact that we can gather here on Sunday, your word and your truth and your goodness. God, will you reveal that goodness to us today through your word? Will you penetrate our hearts with your truth, that it would change our lives, not just to impact us for the rest of this afternoon and evening, but that it would impact us Monday through Saturday and that we would be prepared for your truth again next week, that we would live this out, God. So we, we, would you remove our pride? Would you remove our prior understanding that it is our own, that it is a world philosophy, 
and fill it with your truth. Fill it with your theology, God. We love you very much, and we thank you so much for uh, what you have done for us and how much you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, one of the a really p- good pieces of advice that I have received and constantly am reminded of is that when you read your Bible, one of the best ways to read your Bible is to do so slowly. Okay? And if you notice in this passage, there are many therefores. When you see a therefore, you've got to ask, what is that therefore? Therefore, right? So 17 starts with, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. But what is that therefore, therefore? Well, it goes back to verse 15. Again, if you have your Bibles, take a look at 15. And Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You have been made a new creation. We have been made into a new creation, not the old way of doing things. We are made a new creation. We can let go of our past selves. No longer do we have the excuse. No longer can we rely on the excuse. No longer do we need to rely on the fact that this is just who I am. I'm bound to these things. I'm bound to these old ways. I'm bound to this sin. I'm bound to this anxiety. I'm bound to this mentality. Just like I was no longer bound to the old regime of the old coach in my first two years of UCLA, I no longer had to follow his rules, his thoughts, his ways. I was made new to the new way of doing life, the new way of doing UCLA football. In the same way, God comes in and intervenes into our life and says, you are a new creation. No longer do you have to hold on to those old things. No longer are you bound to those old things. Now, similar to my story, I've been a Christian for most of my life and have been since I was a very young child. I rededicated my life uh, when I was in junior high. But if, if you're sitting here in a similar boat, having been raised in a Christian family, have been raised in the church and say that I am a Christian, there is no old life. It is who you would have been without Christ. And an easy indication, an easy meter test for that is when you're driving. Yeah, Everybody kind of becomes who they are or when you're hungry, right? The Snickers commercial buys into that and says, if you're hungry, grab a Snickers, you're not you when you're hungry. You are you. You're exactly who you are when you're hungry. Uh, But Christ has said, no more. You don't need it. You don't need to be that way anymore. You've been made a new creation. But this gift is free. There's not a single one of us in here that earned that based on our talent, our merit, or how good-looking we are, or how charismatic, or how outgoing, or how secretly introverted, or how skillful. God said that this is a free gift for anybody who comes to me. This is a good and free gift. Now, 18 through 20 talks, it says like a funky word, reconciliation. Let's take a look at 18 through 20. All this is from God. It's a free gift. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal uh, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The message and ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. 
That's why the message and ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. But what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is this. It is the restoration of a relationship to a harmonious state after a dispute. A restoration of a relationship to a harmonious state after a dispute. And as given, having been given the ministry and message of reconciliation, we are therefore ambassadors. Now, there are big words in the Bible, right? Reconciliation, ambassadors. And uh, we, uh, I co-led a life group with a buddy of mine, and we'd read a passage. And, and I think we sometimes do this, too, when we're going through the Bible and reading. We'll gloss over these big words and say, like, I kind of under, I get it. I understand it. But when we'd ask these boys, hey, do you have any questions? They'd look back at us and be like, no, we're good. Uh, these guys grew up in a Christian home. They grew up going to a Christian school. They knew it really well. And then we'd ask them, okay, what's an ambassador? And they, they wouldn't be able to really articulate it. Or what is reconciliation? So again, when we're reading our Bible, it's slowing down, making sure that we are understanding it, what it is saying, what it is exactly saying. Reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship. Ambassador is this. Cornell Law defines it as such. The highest ranking officer designated by the government as its resident representative in a foreign state or before an international organization. It's the highest ranking officer. We have been called to be the highest ranking officer. God making his appeal through us to have the ministry and message of reconciliation, to go and share with others that you've been made right in God's sight. Why? Why have we been made right in God's sight? We'll continue on. But this is the highest ranking officer in a foreign state. You must realize, we have to understand that this kingdom here is temporary and not for us to build out. We pray for God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We do his work, yes. But we have to understand that this is a temporal visitation. It is a rental place, not our eternity. Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in eternity with God. We have been called and chosen to be his representatives here in this temporary place. But what is the message of reconciliation? What is this message of restoration that we should be sharing? Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In, our, in my study this week, I, I, uh, I have this expository commentary that really elaborates, and we get a better understanding of this when we insert these explanatory glosses. And so um, I have it up on the screen. Um, it says this, For our sake, out of sheer grace, in light of need, prompted by God's goodness, he, the Father, made him, the Son or Christ, to be sin, not sinful, but counted as a sinner, Indeed, to be counted as the focal point of all accumulated sins of his people across all of human history and human future. Who knew no sin, Christ being the only flawless life, having zero trace of the old age, so that in him are united in Christ, plugged into him spiritually and invincibly, we might become the righteousness of God that's in new age union with Christ. We are clothed with the perfect robes of Christ's own righteousness. That is, his flawless record becomes ours. 
which is counted to us solely through the empty hands of faith, we are not only acquitted, but positively righteous in the sight of God. We have the tendency, and I know I want to be sensitive to the ears in here that, are, that belong to canines. We have, uh, as a society, really jumped into loving dogs. We love dogs. We love pets. We love animals. And there's something about us that stirs our affection to really love them. Um, I, I would say, I'd probably put on and label that as there's just an innocence to them, right? They don't necessarily do anything wrong. We see a dog hit by a car in a movie, and we're just shedding tears. It's because we believe that they're innocent. They've done nothing to deserve getting hit. A human hasn't necessarily gotten deserved to get hit either, but you can assume, right? There's just something in it. But understand this. The dog is still a flawed animal, a human. We all are flawed humans and creatures. Jesus was completely and utterly innocent and yet paid the ultimate penalty but what is it that we need to be reconciled from we have easter we have christmas we're constantly being reminded of the cross but have you ever wondered and asked yourself why the cross was necessary at all what is it that we're actually being saved from are we being saved into a holy life so that we can avoid trouble are we being saved from an eternity in hell and are we just trying to avoid it like the plague? Are we being saved so we can have a better, more fruitful life? 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this, Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. We are being reconciled. We are being made right from God's wrath. Not our sin, not from this world, God's wrath. God sent his son, Jesus, voluntarily died on this cross to save us from God's wrath. But what is God's wrath? This might even stir up a weird discomfort in your soul and in your gut. God's wrath, what are you talking about? I don't like reading about God's wrath. I don't like hearing about God's wrath. I ignore the Old Testament because I don't like the God of the Old Testament. I like the Jesus of the New Testament but they're one and the same. It is a strong characteristic, if not one of the primary characteristics of God. From Romans, we learn that God's, it, God's wrath is his resolute action in punishing sin. It is his reaction to sin and expression of justice. But how can this be? How can a good God be wrathful? We think of wrath in human terms, but J.I. Packer in his, know, in his book, Knowing God, puts it this way. God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. God is only angry where anger is called for. And would a God who took as much pleasure in evil as he did in good be a good God? Would a God who did not react adversely to evil in his world be morally perfect? Surely not. In other words, God loves, 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 loves good and hates evil. Hates it. Absolutely and completely despises it. So I need to elaborate a little bit on a point that I've previously made about heaven and hell. Okay, uh, I've, I've spoken up here before, I've talked about this before, um, and I've said that heaven simply is a location filled with really, really bad people, but who want to be with God. 
It's not a place reserved for good people as much as hell is not reserved for a place of bad people. There are going to be many, many, many good people in hell. But it's reserved. It's a location for people who do not want to be with God. Now, that's, very, that's a simple kind of uh, surface layer understanding. But I need to elaborate on what that is. Hell is the righteous punishment for those who posture themselves as almighty. These can be very, very good people. Very, very kind, philanthropic people. Servants. People who seek out justice. But posture themselves as almighty. These are for, the, the, hell is a righteous punishment for people who say, I do not need God and his saving work. I can and will do this all on my own. I am a good person. That is who hell wrath of God is reserved for. The opposite is true, though. Heaven is the just reward for those who posture themselves with great humility, who understand that there is nothing good that they can do in order to earn their way to being reconciled to God. They've done nothing. It is for the people who instead say, yet not I, but through Christ in me, It is not my own righteousness, not my own ability, but only because of Christ and what he has done am I saved. That's it. This is the gospel message. Jesus died and rose to reconcile us to God and to bring us to a knowledge of the truth. And we miss this sometimes. Jesus didn't hang on a cross and say, my God, my God, why have you pierced me? My God, my God, why have you let them spit on me? My God, my God, why have you let me go through this pain? He yells out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the garden, he's asking God any other way. Please take this cup from me. Take this option away could be done in any other way, I'd do it that way, but not my will. Yours be done. I will take the penalty that they all in 2023 deserve. I'll take it. He died for every single one of your future sins. So it's not a matter of you sitting here going, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to go ahead and go out and do better. That is not the message this morning. The message is this. We have been reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ. We've been saved from God's wrath. Now, for every believer in here, for every single one of you who proclaim Christ, who have given over your life, his wrath will never be imputed to you. Never. It will never be imputed. As a true believer, we will never experience his wrath. We will never experience his punishment. The things that we experience that are bad, that are turmoil, that are unpleasant, that are trialed, these things happen as a consequence of a sinful and broken world, not of God's wrath. God loves his children. He loves the people who say, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Constantly throughout the Bible, we are asked, told, and commanded never to forget his statues, never to forget his covenant. We must never forget God and the message of reconciliation. We have to constantly be reminding ourselves of God, of who he is, 
and what he has done for us. Okay, but you might be asking, but, 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 okay, we've been saved. We've been imputed the righteousness. We've been given Jesus' righteousness. He's robed us in his perfect righteousness. What in the world are we still doing here? If we are perfect, why aren't we just taken up right now? If we're perfect and holy in God's sight, why aren't we just living with him in perfection? Why do I have to experience the turmoil? Why do I have to experience the sickness? Why do I have to experience death? Why do I have to experience California? I'm kidding. I love California. It's fantastic. The weather is unreal. Verse 18 through 20a. Let's look at that. Verse 18 through 20a. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means you. Not just me, not just John, not just Chris, not just the pastor that you listen to on the podcast throughout the week, not just the YouTuber, not just the talented, not just the charismatic, not just the hyper-spiritual. That means you. Understand this. We all are ambassadors. We all are called to represent him well. God's making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. Pacific Point Church, believers in this room, God chose you to deliver the message of reconciliation, to have a ministry of reconciliation. We have all been called to be the primary, the highest ranking officer in a foreign state, in this temporary world, to go represent him well. We all have been called to be ambassadors and to represent him well. But what does this look like? We talk about often, we've talked about since January, the importance of discipleship and how Jesus calls us to discipleship, how it's incredibly important. We, I think by now we understand that discipleship is important. But what does this look like practically? If you have your Bible still open, fantastic. We're going into chapter six real quick. Um, it should be up on the screen too. It's a little tiny. Sorry. What does this look like? This is Paul validating his ministry, but is applicable to how we live this out. Working together with God, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, not to receive this grace, this gift, this reconciliation pointlessly. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. How? How do we commend ourselves? Paul goes on, by great endurance. Are you downtrodden? Are you tired? Did you feel like just nothing is going your way? 
You feel like everything is just an obstacle after obstacle, trial after trial, turmoil after turmoil, hardship after hardship. I can't get the right amount of money per month. I can't get healthy. I can't reconcile my relationships with my marriage or with my friends. I don't have strong community. This world is terrible and I'm tired. But Paul says, by great endurance in what? In everything I just mentioned, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. And we do this with an iron fist. We fight fire with fire. We get really, really angry. And we go down and march against other people. And we post all over social media. And we get really angry and really mean and really vicious. No. How do we do this? By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And we can do it all, whether the good or the bad. Philippians 4.13 is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, that includes the good. Some of you in here might be going, I can't relate with that. And God, thank God that your life is fantastic. I, I am nothing but grateful right now for my life. It is fantastic. I love my wife, I love Major, I love this church, I love my home, I love my family, and I love my friends. But through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is the practical call on our lives as believers. So the question is, what are you primarily an ambassador for? Maybe you work for a company, like a sweet surf company like Visla or Ruka, and you're an ambassador, you're a brand ambassador, and you represent that company well. Maybe you're currently sitting in college and you have to represent your university really well. At UCLA, we were called to represent really well and would get in vicious trouble if ever we misrepresented our organization, whether through social media or in class, we'd get wrecked. What are you representing? What are you an ambassador for? Uh, what do your family, your friends, your coworkers, your spheres of influence know you by? Do they know you as the weird, odd Christian? Praise God. <laughs> or do they know you as the really kind person who like, will occasionally chime in and laugh at their jokes? Or the person who's fired up about the surf? or who's fired up about the Anaheim Ducks, maybe doing well, maybe doing better than last place this year. Who knows? I don't know. What do they know you by? What are you an ambassador of? Imagine with me, close your eyes even if you want, but imagine with me what it would look like if we all represented him well in all of our spheres of influence. What would that look like if just this little room right here, this church, in Costa Mesa, represented him as an ambassador 
really, really well. We heard earlier about a representative on University of Virginia's campus representing really, really well. What would that look like in our lives? What would that look like in this community? But why is this important? Why is it important that we serve him well, that we follow him well? Why is this important? Well, it's credibility. People recognize a changed and holy life. If you became a Christian later on in your life, people see the weird funk that you went through, right? You maybe were living a different lifestyle, speaking a different way, saying certain things, or laughing and joking about different things, or talking about and pointing people to other things in life. And when you made that shift, they were able to recognize and see a holy and changed life. Doing this is important because it builds credibility. But more importantly, this glorifies God. He loves each and every one of his children, yes. But when we are representing him well, we not only come to church to be reminded of God's truth, we come to church to go out and glorify God. That's why we come. We are ambassadors for Christ and are called to represent him well. I'll review these points. We're ambassadors for Christ and are called to represent him well. We are a new creation, a free gift to no longer be bound to the old way, to no longer be bound to the old regime of losing 50 to nothing. You can be proud of what you now represent. For against such things, there is no law, the holiness, the fruit of the spirit. Number two, we must never forget God and the message of reconciliation. We must never forget God and the message of reconciliation that he saved us from his wrath, his good, holy, just, perfect wrath. He went to the cross to save us from that. Number three, God is making his appeal through us, the knuckleheads, the weirdos, the broken, but no longer, we're no longer sinners, but are saints. We no longer have to identify as that is who I am. I just can't get over it. No more. I can get over it. I can get through it with community, with life groups, arm in arm with somebody else. Hey, I need your help. What does the Bible say about this struggle in my life? I'm really struggling here with this. Do you have that person in your life where you can go grab coffee this week or lunch? Say, hey, I've been stuck and I've been excusing the fact that I am this way. This is how I'm created. This is how I'm wired but I know it doesn't align with scripture. Can you show me where I need to be aligned with scripture? Can you show me how to let go of these things and be made free to actually lean into the perfectly robed righteousness of Christ? We must never forget God and the message of reconciliation. He is making his appeal through us. Number four, representing him well brings him glory. Representing him well brings him glory. There's nothing better that we can do this side of heaven than to bring our heavenly father glory. And how do we do that? By great endurance, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God. Now. Not when John and Chris get back. Not after this discipleship series. Not when you feel ready. Now. 
The woman at the well was not ready. The woman at the well did not have a degree in ministry or theology. She ran back to town to represent him well and share the message of reconciliation. We as believers are ambassadors for Christ and are called, called to represent him well. You have been chosen to represent him well. Can we do that this week, church? Can we start looking at our Bibles a little bit differently, slowly looking at the goodness of who he is, bringing somebody alongside us and saying, where do I need to change? What do I need to let go of? What can I be made free from? And pray in your life who you can start discipling and sharing this message because we've been called into ministry. Whether you've been wrestling with whether or not you should be in vocational ministry or not, you have been called into ministry. Sorry, welcome aboard. Be ministers of Christ this week. Now is a favorable time. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for your word and uh, who you are and what you've done. We, uh, we love you very much and thank you so much for everything that uh, you've worked in our lives, for your son, um, for your good grace, for the fact that we can go ahead and continue on with life without being concerned about our old ways. And we thank you that you've called us to be utilized as tools, that it doesn't have to be from the stage. It doesn't have to be in worship through song. It doesn't have to be through intercessory prayer. It could be in the simple way we represent you in our day-to-day lives, at work, at home. So right now, I just ask that you would work in each and every one of our hearts to, to call us to action, to figure out what, where in our lives do we need to shift, do we need to change, do we need to move. Um, right now, as we head into a time of communion, God, would you work in our hearts? Would you help us get right with you? Remove anything that's getting in our way, our pride, um, our, our impurity, our desire for ourselves, um, and work in our lives so that we can be pure, holy, and righteous and represent you well. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.